0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of Chess Pro Baptist Church. This morning's message is the beginning of a new series entitled Revival Is. And this morning we're going to talk about the subject Revival Is Seeking God. So please enjoy. Nehemiah chapter number one. I'm going to ask you once again if you're physically able to stand in respect and reverence to the word of God. We're going to read the first four verses this morning of Nehemiah, chapter number one. The Bible says the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu in the 20th year I was in Shushan the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity concerning Jerusalem. In the next few weeks, I'm gonna preach on the sub to preach a series of sermons on the subject Revival is. This morning, the title of my message is Revival is Seeking God. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, once again we come to you in prayer. I pray that you bless the message as it's about to be given. I pray that you speak to us all through the Spirit of God. And through your word, I pray that we'd leave different than how we came in. If we need anything in our church, if we need anything in our city, if we need anything in our country, Lord, it's revival. Be with us this morning. For in Jesus Christ's precious name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Um, is my wife in here? No good. I always like when she's not in here, I get to tell stories about her. Um, but, um, my, uh, this was about 10 years ago and my wife was big pregnant. I mean, she was huge and she was working at a host. That's why I'm glad she wasn't in here. And, uh, she, and, uh, uh, she was, uh, working at a restaurant as a hostess and she had one more week left to go. And the owner of the restaurant came to her and said, Emily, I'm sorry. You, you got, today's got to be your last day. I was like, these people think, you know, looking at me like I'm a slave driver making this pregnant woman seat all these customers. You got to go home today. So she, she was not working, and I was working as an armed security guard. And so what I would do is when I would go to work, I mean, this was two or three weeks before Colin was born. And when I would go to work, I would take her to her mom's house, and they would be at, she would be at my in-laws while I worked. Now, my, her house at the time, her parents' house, was literally one block away from the warehouse that I worked in. So you could go up in her bedroom, which was upstairs, and look out the window and see the warehouse that I worked in. So that day, it was a February day, I came and I dropped her off uh, at her parents' house and I went to work. I went into work and I went to this warehouse where I was uh, uh, an armed security guard. And uh, I'm back there in the back, I'm checking in my truck drivers, I'm checking all my freight, I'm checking all my cargo, and I'm making sure I got all my forms correct. And then I hear something over the radio, something that really, really shook me to the core. And what I, uh, we had certain supervisors in our company. S4 was the nighttime supervisor. S3 was the daytime supervisor. S2 was our chief. And our chief was named Jerry Barber. And Jerry Barber, he was full-time with the security force at this, uh, uh, we had a mint, and that's one of the reasons why security was so heavy. And uh, he, Jerry Barber, he was, he was the guy, he was the day-to-day guy, he was the one who was in charge of everything. But every once in a while, you would hear a report from S-1. Now S-1 was above Mr. Jerry, S-1, He was, his name was Juan. Uh, He he was a black guy. His name was Juan. This dude was scary. He was intimidating. He was an actual sheriff deputy, okay? He was the real deal, okay? When, when, When S1 said something, it meant something. And I remember I was back at my post, and when I heard over the radio... And I heard, uh, begin evacuating all the employees to the storm shelter. And I hear these words, I still remember these words. I heard, S1 says this is not a drill. And man, when S1 says something, it means something. So man, we started getting all the employees, and we went up into the into the front of the in front front of the warehouse, and we started getting all the people into the into the break room, and they're supposed to go into the bathrooms. That's where the storm shelter is. And I look down the hallway, and I see the front door is is sucked open. So I don't know what I'm thinking. I go down there and I grab this door, and I'm trying to close this door. And after about ten seconds of trying to close this door, I'm thinking this is stupid. Why do I care if this door is open? I let go and I go back to the waiting room, but I didn't know this at the time, but if I'd have looked up and to my left, I'd have seen the tornado. It was literally right there. I'm glad I didn't look up, but if I'd have looked up and to the left, I'd have seen it. So I let go of the door and I go back into the waiting room, and as soon as I get into the waiting room and the door shuts behind me, that tornado slams into my warehouse like a ton of bricks blows all the dock doors in the false ceiling in the in the waiting room falls down on top of us the lockers fall over and so these these guys these these employers are trying to pushed themselves into the bathroom, and have you ever seen a, a, at a rock concert people jumping on top of the mosh pit? And the, this is what they were trying to do. The, the, the bathrooms are so packed that people were jumping in on top of the people and swimming across the top of the people trying to get away from this storm. And so uh, there's this lady that's, that's falling over, and I'm having to linebacker people out of the way so people won't trample her. She's 60 years old, and I'm trying to get her up and get her in a shelter. And all this, the the tornado slamming against our warehouse, and so I see a janitor's closet there, and I get into the janitor, and and I stay in the doorway because there's no room in the bathroom for me. So I'm there for a few minutes, and the storm passes, and we're trying to assess the damage. We thought somebody was trapped under the lockers, so me and some guys go over there real quick and lift the lockers up, but there's nobody under there. I've got the floodlight, and I'm trying to show, I'm trying to show, uh, I've got it pointed at the ceiling because then it lights up the whole room. After a few moments of talking with with the president of the company and some other security officers there, somebody comes in from the front and says, here comes another one. And so once again, everybody goes back into the bathrooms, and I get my little janitor closet, and that's the sinking feeling. Because you think to yourself, man, I survived the first one. How in the world am I gonna survive the second one? After about 15 minutes later though, no, no tornado came. I went outside to inspect the damage and the warehouse right near store to us was gone. It was like somebody picked the warehouse up and chunked it yonderway. All you saw was the, was, the, was the racks and they still had product on them. And that, the, even those burned down later that night. Now thankfully that manager called everybody, told everybody not to come into work that day, but, so everybody in that warehouse was saved, but I want you to know that that day in Memphis, there were 60 tornadoes and 60 people died. There were 60 tornadoes and 60 people died and they came to me and said, "Brett, with no power here, uh, we're, we're gonna need some, over- you can get some good overtime here if you wanna stay. And I was like, no, I'm gonna go home to my wife and my baby. Uh, you can have the overtime. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't want no overtime, so I, I stayed at home so about two or three days till so they got things worked out. But uh, it, it all goes back to those five words. Because man, those five words, it's when the really reality really, because we've done, we've done evacuations drills before, but those five words really stuck out to me. This is not a drill. Let me tell you something today, Christian, look around you. This is not a drill. This life you're living, this life is not a drill. We don't get a whole lot of chances here. This is not a drill. I want you to see this morning in a man named Nehemiah, I want you to see this morning a man with a purpose. I literally want you to see this morning a one-man revival. Nehemiah was a one-man revival. The year was 586 B.C., and the children of Israel had lived in sin for some years, and because they had lived in sin, the children of Israel were taken into captivity by, the, by Babylon. They were taken from their homes. They were taken 700 miles away to the city of Babylon, and there they were held in captivity. They were held in captivity there, and it was around 538 B.C., that there was a small remnant of people that went back to Jerusalem. This remnant of people was led by a man named Zerubbabel, and there were some preachers preaching around that time that their names were Zechariah and Haggai. So here you had this small remnant go back to the city of Jerusalem, and the preachers preached and the builders built. And before you know it, the temple had been rebuilt in Jerusalem, and there became some order start to come back in uh, in around Jerusalem. But you know, it was still a problem. You know what the problem was? The problem was there wasn't a wall around the city. Now, if that's not rev- uh, relevant to some things that are going on today, they needed a wall. I'm just saying, they needed a wall around Jerusalem. And, uh, the, and, and, and there was not a wall around the city, and so it was still being ransacked, and it was still being hurt by, uh, by these people that would come in that didn't want to see Jerusalem come back into power. So it was around December of 445 B.C. when Nehemiah heard about this need. Nehemiah heard about this need, and what happened when Nehemiah heard about this need is he began to, wor- he began to work in Nehemiah's heart. And he began the work of revival inside the heart of Nehemiah. Nehemiah's heart began to break. I'm going to tell you about a broken-hearted man today. God began to break his heart about his sin, and he began to break his heart about the sin of his nation that had taken his people 700 miles away from his home. I want to make a statement this morning. I want to tell you this morning that when revival comes to one person, then revival has come. It just takes one person. When revival comes to one person, then revival has come. It was revival that came into the heart of Jonah that brought revival to Nineveh. It was revival in the heart of Josiah the king that brought revival to Judah. It was revival in the heart of the Apostle Paul that brought revival to the city of Ephesus. When revival comes to one person, then revival has come. Revival doesn't take many people. Revival can start with one person. And this morning I'm going to talk to you about that subject. Revival is, today we're going to talk about revival is seeking God. Revival is Seeking God. I want to share with you this morning three ways you can seek God. I'm going to share with you three ways that God can be found. I want you to see this morning, number one, that is, Nehemiah seeks God. I want you to see that number one, he seeks God earnestly. He seeks God earnestly. Let's look at verse number four. The Bible says, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God at heaven. I want you to tell you this morning that when, when you look at Nehemiah, what you're looking at is a broken man. What you're looking at is a man that is experiencing brokenness. You're looking at a man with a broken heart. You see, if you want, if we want revival then we have to be broken. You can't experience revival until you are broken. You know what we want today? Today, we want the blessing without the burden. We want the crown without the cross. See, in Nehemiah's life, God used calamity to break him. God used calamity to burden him. And sometimes it takes It takes calamity. You understand that sometimes in mine and your life, when we're broken and we're experiencing brokenness, we're closer to God than we've ever been. Brokenness in your life, many times it brings us closer to the Lord. You can use something like the Lord's Supper to experience brokenness. When you think about how uh, the, how about the Lord Jesus Christ, how when you partake in the Lord's Supper and you, you, you hold on to that cracker and you think about the broken body and you think about all the pain and the suffering and the anguish and you look at the cup <clears throat> and you look at, the, and look at the fruit of that vine and you think about the precious blood that was shed. Listen to me, Christian. If your heart is soft enough, you can experience brokenness during the Lord's Supper. Okay, that's just one avenue to experience brokenness. But I will tell you this, me and you will never experience revival until we experience brokenness. It can't happen. Perhaps your business isn't going like it should. Perhaps your job isn't working out like you thought it would work out. Maybe God is telling you that your life is not all about your business. Maybe God is telling you that life isn't all about your job. Maybe there's a relationship in your life and your relationship is not all what it's cracked up to be. It's not all what you thought it would be. And maybe it's because of that relationship you're experiencing a broken heart. Maybe you have a broken heart this morning. Maybe something in your life is burdening you, is breaking you. Maybe you have a broken heart this morning. Let me tell you today that God wants you to know that life, what life is all about is drawing closer to Him. Life. This life is all about drawing closer to God. So when we look at Nehemiah this morning, we're looking at a man with a broken heart. We're looking at him, once his heart is broken, what he begins to do then is Nehemiah begins to seek God. But he doesn't begin to seek God until his heart is broken. And that's the first point under this, un, un, under this uh, first point here. It is revival starts with a burden. Revival starts with a burden. Look at the verse again. It says, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I want you to see this morning, he had to be brought down before he could be raised back up. Has anyone ever come to you and said, you know what? I got some news for you, but you're going to need to sit down for this. Has anybody ever told that to you? Uh, I got to tell you something, but you really need to sit down before I tell you this. That's what Nehemiah was feeling. Man, he heard this news and he looked around and he had to find a seat and sit down. See, that's how hard it hit Nehemiah. That's how, like a ton of bricks, it hit him. You've experienced that. That's exactly what he was feeling. That's exactly what he was going through. But I'll tell you once again this morning that when revival comes to one person, then revival has come. It might be one person in your family. It might be one person in your class. It might be one person in your church. But when revival comes to that person, revival has come. And right here today, God is bringing in Nehemiah's heart, he is bringing revival. This is the prayer of a man that was humbled by God. This is, he prays before the God of heaven. And if you do the math here, I want you to see that he prayed and fasted for four months. Did you hear that? For four months, he prayed and fasted. Four months before he asked his boss off work, he prayed and fasted. Four months before he asked for one single piece of material, he prayed and fasted. Four months before he uh, requested the help of one person to help him on this journey, he prayed and fasted for four months. That's how much this meant to him. That's how burdened and how broken he was. This was a man broken with a burden who is seeking God in prayer and fasting. You know what this was? This was the beginning of Nehemiah's revival. You know where Nehemiah's revival started? That's where it started. It started with a burden, and it started with him praying. And it started with him praying there. Let me see. Did I skip some? I did skip a lot. I'm sorry. I'm going to backtrack now. Uh, if he, I want you to see that he begins to weep and he begins to mourn. He begins to express sorrow. Now, let me ask you a question. When was the last time that me and you mourned? When was the last time that we experienced sorrow over our spiritual condition? When was the last time me and you looked at ourselves And we looked at our spiritual condition and we looked at our spiritual life and we began to weep and we began to mourn and we began to express sorrow because uh, we're not where we used to be. Because you can remember a time in your life when you were closer to God and you can remember that time in your life when you felt the Spirit of God. You don't feel that anymore and you begin to weep and mourn over your spiritual condition. You know, perhaps you've unintentionally drifted away. Perhaps now uh, what was ab- what was used to be abnormal is now normal. Maybe it used to be abnormal for you to miss a church service and now it's normal. Maybe it used to be abnormal for you to miss your Bible reading, but now it's normal. Maybe it was abnormal for you to miss your prayer time, but now it's normality. Now it's normal now. Hey, you know what? Uh, he began to weep and mourn over his spiritual condition. And what I'm afraid of is in today's society, especially, we're we're too busy to feel a burden of God. We're too busy. Oh, as soon as God starts dealing with us and as soon as God lays something on our heart, we've got another errand to run. We've got another appointment to get to. I'm sorry, God. I don't have enough time to be burdened. I don't have enough time to be broken. I don't have enough time uh, to have a broken heart because, hey, I'm too busy. I've got too many irons in the fire. I've got too much stuff going on. But Nehemiah, in his broken state, is listening to God. I want you to see not only, number one, was he burdened, but I want you to see, number two, he continued in prayer. He continued in prayer this morning. It says, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I want you to see, we see a man here fasting. You know what the fasting is? Fasting is to deny himself meals and physical pleasures. That's what fasting is. What he what is saying here is that God is more important to me, more important than me satisfying myself, is I want to be drawn closer to you. I want to be drawn closer to you more than I want to satisfy myself. And that's what fasting is. Fasting is telling God, God, you are more important to me than anything that I've got going on right now. Fasting is saying, I want to seek you. I want to seek your power. I want to seek your presence right now. That's what fasting is. Let me say this. The kingdom of God will not advance because the churches are full of people. The kingdom of God will advance when the people in the churches are full of God. That's when the kingdom of God is going to advance. Nehemiah was saying, God, fill me. More than I want to be filled with food, I want to be filled with you. His grief caused him to fast. Fasting is often related to a grieving heart. Daniel 10.3, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Daniel prayed and fasted for three weeks seeking God. Mark 9, 29 says, And he said unto them, this is Jesus talking, This kind cometh forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Let me tell you something today, Christian. There are some answers to prayer. There are some needs in your life that are only going to be met through prayer and fasting. There's the only way they're going to be met. Nehemiah teaches us that revival begins with a burden and it continues with prayer. Like I said, he prayed and fasted for four months before he asked, asked for one day off work, before he asked for any material. He prayed and fasted for four months. This was a broken man with a burden who was seeking God in prayer and fasting. And this was the beginning of Nehemiah's revival. Now I'm caught back up to where I skipped. All right, let's look, at verse, let's look at the second point here. I want you to see number one this morning that he seeks God earnestly. But I want you to see number two, he seeks God honestly. He seeks God honestly. If we want revival, then here's what we got to do we got to get real. We have to get real and we have to get honest with God. Look at verse number five. And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy from them, that love him and observe his commandments. I want you see the first thing he does in honesty is he recognizes God's character. He recognizes God's character. You know what he's saying? He is saying to God, God, I know you are everlasting. I know you're omnipotent, I know you're awesome, I know you're all-powerful. Yeah, The word Lord here is the word Jehovah. You know what Jehovah means? Jehovah means the self-existent one. Jehovah means the self-existent one. What he's doing now is he's praising the attributes of God. Isaiah 43.10 I am he before me, was no God formed, neither shall there be any after me. Nehemiah in his prayer is praising the attributes and character of God. And when me and you pray, we need to do that. When me and you pray, we need to give the Lord some admiration. When me and you bow our heads before the God of heaven, we need to tell him how powerful he is. We need to tell him how awesome he is. We need to tell him how omnipresent and how omniscient and how omnipotent he is and tell him how great and terrible he is. We need to speak of his attributes. And when we pray, we need to tell God of his character. Nehemiah knew that God had the power that he needed for revival in his life last year they had in Las Vegas they had the consumer technology show and at the consumer technology show there were, there were companies like Panasonic and, and LG and Sony, and what they were doing at this consumer technology show is they were showing off their brand new TVs, they were showing off their brand new computers and all their tablets and all the great, all the great strides they're making and all the great technology they had. It was last year, so it's all outdated now. Uh, but, uh, but they were showing off their new TVs and computers, and man, everything was going good, and they were having a good time. And then about that time, guess what happened? The power went out. So you got these sales reps from Sony and LG trying to show people a TV and a computer with a flashlight. You know that's why why that's ridiculous? Because all those TVs and all those computers, they were useless without power. Nehemiah said in his life, my life is useless without the power of God. That's exactly what he said. And he knew it too. What he says to guys, he says, God, you are great. And you are terrible. Great speaking of the magnitude of his power and terrible speaking of the great displays of his power. Have, have any of you ever seen a lightning strike with your own eyes? Man, lightning can strike down the road a piece and it can take a one or two seconds to get to you and man, it'll get your attention really quick. But if lightning ever strikes 20 feet away from you, ooh, man, talk about Fear. You're going to have to change your drawers after that. Oh, Now, uh, lightning, lightning can strike 20 feet away from you, and you'll get the fear of God in your life. okay? Because you're going to feel how great and powerful it is. And isn't it funny? The closer you are to the power, the more scared you are of it. The closer you are to the power of God, the closer you bring yourself to God, the more you'll experience how great God is and the more you experience how terrible God is because the closer you get to the power, man, the more that power is going to the more you're going to recognize the power of God. Nehemiah was recognizing the character of God in this prayer. So I want you to see, not only was he recognizing God's character, but I also want you to see, secondly, he was repenting of his condition. He was repenting of his condition. You see, when you recognize who God is, suddenly you see who you really are. The closer you get to the light, the more you see things in our own life that need to be dealt with. And, and the light suddenly begins to show on our life. Have you ever walked into a rundown building and flipped on a light in the room and saw the cockroaches just scatter? Why? Because the light came on. And the light showed you what the problem was. And you see, when you stand before a God that is pure, and when you stand before a God that is holy, and when you stand before a God that is powerful, and when you stand before a God that is awesome, the light from that God is going to show me and you some things in our life that need to be dealt with. See, that's the second step of revival. And it's called confession and repentance. It's called confession and repentance. Let's look at... Excuse me. Let's look at verse number six. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. I want you to see that Nehemiah didn't say, Lord, I'm sorry for the sin of the nation. I'm sorry for their sin. And man, if any nation's got sin, it's America today. I'm sorry, but when you can, when you can abort a baby one day and the next day that day, be born, you, you can abort a baby on day number one. Man, it's wrong and it's bad. Hey, but you know what? Uh, he didn't just say, look, I've got some sins. Oh, well, we got one coming down the aisle. Praise the Lord. Uh, He he didn't just come and say, look, I've got some sins in my life, uh, in in the nation's life. He said, I've got some sins in my life. He said, hey, uh, not only has the nation got sin in it, but I've got sin in my life. I've got sin in my father's house. Uh, There's sin in my father's life. There's sin in my life. It says the confession of sin is vital if we're ever going to get real with God. If me and you are ever going to get real with God, there has to be uh, uh, we, where it has to be a confession of sin. And you know, I'm, I'm not talking about going into a booth and confessing your sins to another sinner. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that. I'm glad today I don't have to go into a booth to confess my sins. I'm glad today I can come boldly before the the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help me in my time of need. I'm glad I have a high priest that is Jesus Christ and that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad today I have a God like that. It's time for us to get real today and it's time for us to confess our sins before Him. It's, it, I want you to see that Nehemiah said, I love God so much that I don't, I don't want anything to come between me and God. God says, I want you to repent of your condition. I want you to repent of your condition. And, 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 and not just what people know about. Sometimes when we think we need to confess and repent things before God, a lot of times we only confess and repent what people know about. What people caught us doing. But God says, no, I want you to confess and repent on everything in your life. You know why, you know why uh, it's important to confess all your sin to God? Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. I want you to see this morning that he confessed his sins to God, but not only did he confess his sins, I want you to see today that Nehemiah named his sins. He named his sins. Let's look at verse number 7. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Confession is more than just admitting my sin to God. Confession is acknowledging my sin and naming my sin. You come to the Lord and say, Lord, I confess to you my anger. Lord, I confess to you my covetousness. Lord, I confess to you my lust. You go before God, and you know, it's it's pleasing to God. It's pleasing to God that we confess and repent from our sin. It's pleasing to God that we do this, that we confess to God, and we confess and repent from our sin. Let me tell you something, if we want revival in 2019, we're going to have to get real with ourselves, And we're going to have to get honest. And we're going to have to confess. And we're going to have to repent from our sin. This is what Nehemiah did. This is how he got revival. I want you to see that he seeked God earnestly today. I want you to see, secondly, that he seeked God honestly. I want you to see, number three, that he seeked God biblically. I want you to see that he seeks God biblically. Let's read verse number 8 and 9. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, if ye transgress. I will scatter you abroad among the nations, but if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though of you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name uh, set my name there. I want you to see here in this verse what Nehemiah is doing. He's literally praying the scriptures. He's quoting from Deuteronomy four here. He is literally praying the scriptures back to God. That's one of the ways we can pray. One of the ways we can pray is to remind God of what he said. It's one of the ways we can pray. God said, hey, God God said, you said, God, that if I seek you, then I'll find you. God, you said that if I'm hungry, that you'll fill me. Uh, God said, uh, God said to Moses, he's, he's, and God Nehemiah is saying, Moses, uh, you told m- Moses, Moses telling you this. Now I'm tell- you, told Moses this. And that's the same as true for me. We can say to God, uh, uh, we can say to God about our nation, God, remember when you said, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land. That's in this book. And when you need to, you can turn around and you can put that back on God and you can pray the scriptures to him and remind him of what he said. When ne- what Nehemiah is doing here is he's seeking God biblically by literally quoting from the Bible when he prays. That's why it's important to hide the word of God in your heart. We must repeat his word and we must remember his word. Why? Because when we repeat his word and we remember his word, what will happen is his word will begin to reveal itself in us. You understand this morning, the more time you spend in your Bible, the more it makes a difference in your life. Uh, uh, Whatever you put in is what you're going to get out. If you just put garbage in, you're just going to get garbage out. But if you put the Word of God in, if you put life in, you're going to get life back out. And let me tell you today that the Word of God has a purifying effect. And when you put the Word of God in your life, it's going to begin to purify you. Verse number nine, but if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though thereof you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. I want you to look at three words in that verse. and It's it's the words turn, keep, and do. Turn, keep, and do. Let me tell you something. If you will turn to the Lord. If you will keep His commandments and if you will do His commandments with your heart, you will begin to experience revival. You'll begin to experience revival of your Christian life back when you first got saved. Ephesians 6.6 6 says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. It is the heart that's been cleansed by confession. It is the heart that's been awakened through brokenness. And what's going to happen is this heart is now living out the Word of God on a daily basis. Hey, if we want revival today, it starts with seeking God. We have to seek God earnestly. We have to seek God honestly. We have to come before him. We have to be broken. We have to have a burden. Revival starts with a burden. Revival starts with a broken heart. And then we have to get real with God. We have to come to him in prayer and fasting. And we have to get our sin because we've got sin in the way between us and God. And if we want revival, it's not about a show. It's not about putting on pretend. It's about getting real. Part of being real is confessing Our sin to God and repenting of that sin and turning away from that sin. Bible says in Ephesians 6 6 not with eye services, men please. That's what eye service is. Eye service is all about a show, eye service is all about pretend. Revival is not about a show, revival is not about pretend, revival is about being real. Revival is about a turning. And revival is about a keeping. And revival is about a doing. And when you experience this in your life, things are going to be different. It's not going to be about a show anymore. It's not going to be about pretend. Revival is about the real. I want you to see today the man Nehemiah. This is a broken man. This is a crying man. But this is a repentant man. This is a believing man. This is a godly man, and this is one man having revival. We can have revival too. We can have revival if we seek God, and if we confess, and if we begin to live this, to live this life. Because let me tell you, so this is not a drill. This is not a drill. This is, this is the real deal. Let me tell you something. God's heart for the children of Israel was for them to come back to Jerusalem. That was God's heart for them. God's heart for the lost in here today is for you to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God's heart for the lost in here today is for you to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You know what God's heart for the saved in here today? God's heart for the saved in here today is for you to come back to the joy of your salvation. God's heart is that you would once again Live as if you've just been saved. That is revival. This is revival. I'm not talking about this revival swept through. Revival hasn't swept through a church yet. Revival hasn't swept through a nation yet. No, 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 no. Revival started with one man. And it's contagious. All it takes is one person. If you can get revival in your heart, that revival is going to begin to spread. But in order for you to get, in order for you to get that revival, you've got to seek God. You've got, we have to seek God. We have to seek God earnestly. Man, it's, sometimes it's going to take prayer and fasting. This kind cometh only by prayer and fasting. That's the problem with today's church is we don't want to put the work in. It's hard to fast. I don't like fasting. I don't. It's not, you know, but you know what? Sometimes this kind only cometh by prayer and fasting. It starts with a burden. What are you burdened about today? What are you broken heart about today? What is, what is giving us brokenness today? What's our burden today? Because it starts with a burden. But then we got to get honest with God. Hey, we, we, we got to confess that we've got sin in our life. We've got sin in our life that's disrupting our fellowship with God. We've got to confess that sin. We've got to repent from that sin. We've got to turn away from it. We have to turn back to God. I want you to tell you that we need to seek God biblically. Hey, it's okay to quote the scriptures to God. It's okay to open up the Bible and read verses back to God. It's okay to do that. And if we do that, if we seek God in this way, we will experience revival. Every about every eye closed. I don't know what you need today. I know that our nation needs revival. I know that our churches need revival. But you know what, it just comes down to the one person. Maybe one person in here needs revival. And Lord, uh, and, I, and I, my, prayer, my prayer today is that we, we, everybody who's seeking revival finds it. But in order to seek revival, what it starts with is seeking God. If we seek God, then we will find this thing called revival. Let's pray.